I'm your host, Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rad Child Podcast. This week with uh, the election coming up, I thought we'd do a little special uh, talk about the importance of voting and the election and all that good stuff. So I have some wonderful guests with me today and I'm going to invite them to introduce themselves. So we're just going to do our name, our pronouns, where you're from, your relationship with kids and your relationship with the topic of voting. And we'll start with Laura. Hi, I'm Laura Chauvin. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm from Maryland, but originally from New Jersey, the Garden State. I have two grown kids, and but I've been an educator my whole life. So I started my career teaching high school, and I've been a poet in the schools um, for my state arts council for many, many years. The relationship with the topic of voting, after the 2016 election, I, um, I needed to do something. So I signed up to get training to be an election judge. And this is going to be my second, the second election that I'm working and the first presidential election that I'm working in. I'm really um, looking forward to it. It's fascinating to see what goes on behind the scenes at an election. And what is that? What does that mean for folks who might not know? So for me, there, are, when you go in to vote in person, there are different um judges who are trained in different ways. There are check-in judges. Those are the ones who, well, in Maryland, they're not allowed to ask for your ID, but, you know, who make sure that you write your name down and they tell you what ballot you need. And then there are ballot judges, which is what I do. They make sure that you get the correct ballot and Mm -hmm. give you any help that you might need, um, any questions that you might have. And I'm trying to think what else. So like if you accidentally vote for the wrong person and you need a new ballot like these are all people who help you with that kind of stuff if you need you know if you need to vote on a on a machine because of um some kind of special need that you have again the voting judges are the people who help with that that's awesome and yeah thank you for doing that work all right let's uh bring it over to candace hey i am candace Parker. Uh, My pronouns are also she, her, hers. And I am from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, My relationship with kids, uh, just growing up in a large household, fun fact, I was adopted. So Mm -hmm. my mother, as a foster care mom, we'd have different children um, from different backgrounds coming in to live with us because she still fostered. And so growing up, I met a lot of children. Um, And then as I got older, I took an interest in education, working with the youth at church, and it uh, caused me to write a book, a children's book called My Vote Counts, and um, where I just go into uh, the electoral process, you know, electoral college, the voting process. And um, so I would say my relationship um, with the topic of voting is uh, very very personal. It's very passionate. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's serious. We're, uh, you know, we're going steady, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. So before we sort of jump into the topic, um, I ask this question in every, every episode, uh, just because we talk a lot about on this podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, questions that kids ask that kind of catch you off guard. And, and so I'm curious if there's ever been a time uh, when a child asked you a question that you, you know, weren't prepared to answer or kind of caught you off guard. Oh, I'll, I'll go ahead. And I forgot to say, Seth, that I'm mm-hmm. also a, a middle grade author. <laughs> Probably the most important thing that I do, but that's okay. I, I would have to say, I looked at this question and I, my answer was that this has happened so often that it's <laughs> like, I don't even have an example that sticks in my memory. I mean, when when do children not ask a question that I'm not prepared for? This is often the answer. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like it's on the fly things. I think a lot, I'm just thinking of, maybe I, I have one particular thing. It's sort of giving yourself permission as, as the adult to say, I don't have to answer this immediately mm-hmm. because then I might, get it wrong or give wrong information and, you know, learning over time that it's okay to say, I'm not really sure, you know, give me some time to think about it or um, let's talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Not in a way like you're brushing the kid off, but in a way to mm-hmm. say that, you know, not an adult doesn't have the answers to everything and, and it's not always helpful to answer right away 
we have this sometimes this need to be the expert around mm-hmm. children, and I don't think it's always helpful. So sometimes, you know, and I'm saying this after many, many years of being an educator and and a parent of two 20-somethings, that it took a long time to realize if my goal in that situation is to be the expert, I'm not really serving anybody. <laughs> So taking that step back, and um, if I'm if I'm sort of flabbergasted by the question that comes up, to take a step back and say, "Let me think about it," is sometimes a good a good way to handle it for me. Yeah, I think you said a lot of you touched on a lot of really important things, and a lot of things that we talk about a lot here is like the there's something like really nice in the vulnerability of saying like I don't know, like mm-hmm. I'm grownups don't know everything. Like spoilers, we don't know everything, mm-hmm. uh, and I think like especially like. For me, like, I feel like when I talk to people, I'm a kid of the 90s. And when I talk to people of my generation, I think that and even prior to that, you know, earlier generations, I think there was this like real need to be for parents to be the expert and to know everything and to have this like perfection. And I think that we're sort of starting to get like with, you know, uh, now with my generation starting to parent, I feel like there's a little bit more of this like vulnerability and openness and willingness to be like, you know what, we, I don't know everything. And I think that's really important. And it, like, I think that's an important lesson for kids to learn is that kids, the parents like aren't perfect and don't have all the answers and how, you know, depending on the question, right? Like if it's a Google, google question, <laughs> I think that that can be a fun activity to just be like, you know what, I, I don't know, you know, what species dolphins are. Let's look it up let's look it up together, you know, and I think that that can become a fun activity. And, you know, also what you were saying, uh, actually, I guess, my, uh, my friend, Izzy, who was a guest on uh, our episode about sex, uh, was the first person I think who brought up this idea of, to me, at least of saying, like, I, you know what, I don't know right now, like, I'm gonna think about it and get back to you. And I, I love that. I love that idea. And it also shows, like you were saying, not in a way that's brushing off, right? You had, there has to be a follow through, <laughs> but not in a way that's brushing them off, but in a way that's like, you know what, your question is so important to me that I'm going to take time to think about it. Right. And I'm going to let you know. You know, I think there's a difference between that and like, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of important stuff in there. I completely agree. And um, I also think that because we do live in a time where um, knowledge is accessible, so people can just get on their phones or tablets. It, kids have all the, the just about the same electronic devices as a lot of us. Um, so I think there's something special when a child does come to you and ask you as opposed to jumping right and going and looking. I know one thing that I am learning is that when I do share what I know, once the discovery is made, like, okay, this is um, whatever it is to just make sure that I'm being honest because while Mm -hmm. children um, are young, their, their brains will, they'll gain more brain power at some point. And so I think that it's better to go in honest with the truth when it is, that we discover what it is, you know, whatever the topic is that we want to share or expound on, because no one wants to recall being lied to or having a situation mm-hmm. kind of fluffed and made pretty, especially if it's something that, you know, um, like voting, for instance, um, or, you know, things with puberty and, you know, just those topics that are, you know, kids become very curious about early on. So, I find that, you know, being honest and saying, oh, you know, I don't know. And then when I do know and go to the child, just making sure that I uh, just share it in um, the most honest, transparent way that uh, wouldn't be too too much for them to handle. Yeah, y'all are just like doing my job for me. This is another thing that we talk about all the time is like this idea of honesty. And like, I have this philosophy that I, I think that like you can answer any question at an age appropriate level, mm-hmm. right? Like it's just about what information you're giving, right? Like when, and making sure like I, the other thing that we talk about a lot is like answering a question with a question, like asking like, what do you want to know about that? Or what do you already know about that? Making sure that you're answering the correct question is also important because they might be asking something totally different. And uh, so I think that, you know, knowing w- what they're asking and giving them an age appropriate and truthful answer is really important, right? Like, yeah. because, you know, you, when a three-year-old asks you a question, they don't want your 20 page dissertation on it right they just want a simple you know simple mm-hmm. answer and sometimes um, the question why do you ask it reveals a lot <laughs> i don't always remember uh to do that but but that you know that there's sometimes there's a question under the question for sure i can remember being a kid asking questions 
I kind of knew the answer to. Like, you ever, you know, talk with your friends about a topic and then you're like, hmm, I want to see what, you know, see what my parents think or, you know, just <laughs> yeah. kind of go to them because kids can sometimes be a little mischievous. And so sometimes saying, why do you ask is such a great way to just kind of get to the root of exactly why, because some, sometimes, not always, a child is is very informed on what they're coming to you with. <laughs> yeah, I'm just testing you. I want to know. <laughs> so uh, I'd like to just take some time and jump right into our topic. So I'm curious, and uh, maybe this will be enlightening for me because I don't even know if I totally understand, but how can we simply explain to kids, you know, the way that elections work in the U.S.? Because uh, right now, you know, I know some of our listeners obviously are not in the U.S., but the U.S. election is, is presidential election is coming up. So uh, yeah. How the heck does that thing work? I'd love to hear what Candace has to say on this. You know, since you wrote the book, Candace, I will say <laughs> I was surprised um, when I started working at the elections, how many new voters, you know, so 18 year olds coming to their mm. first election are they just are they don't know what they're doing. Nobody's explained to them how a ballot works. Um, you know, nobody's explained that you can vote on your ballot. You can vote in one contest and like if you don't want to vote on the questions your ballot is still valid for the one thing you vote mm. like those kind of things i just don't think we let young voters know an- enough of how the process works so they're kind of they walk in blind and very confused the nice thing is that a lot of at a lot of uh voting precincts at precincts at least here when they find out somebody's a new voter they give them a round of applause which I think is a really cute tradition yeah so I'll defer to Candace on on like for younger kids especially yeah um in the book that I wrote my vote counts I actually use an example to explain the voting process um with a pizza party so I basically have two classrooms and um each class is able to vote for the topping um that they prefer for their, you know, for the pizza party. And so the class who gets the most votes will obviously be chosen to pick the toppings. So the toppings are like pepperoni and vegetable. And so I find that doing something that kids can relate to and making a mock election helps and gives more of a visual than just explaining Mm -hmm. it. So in the mock election that I came up with, one class, the class that had the most students was given a larger amount of votes. And the class that had, uh, you know, the you know the smaller amount of students got um, so many. So I, I don't know if this is making sense, but I give each class tickets. Mm-hmm. So if you have a larger class, you get five tickets. If you're in the smaller class, your class gets three tickets. And depending on how many people vote in each class, will determine what topping goes on the pizza. Obviously, most children want the pepperoni. So on the <laughs> So on the day of election, the class who had um, the smaller class voted for pepperoni. So the three tickets went to pepperoni. Um, on the class that had uh, was given the most tickets, only one student showed up that day. And because one student showed up and voted for vegetable, and that class was assigned the most tickets because of how large the classroom is, the, all the votes went to vegetable. So you got the five <laughs> tickets for vegetable because the one student chose vegetable and the three tickets for pepperoni because the smaller class chose pepperoni. And at the end of the day, the vegetable won based on how many people showed up. (laughs) I don't know if that's making sense. No, totally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I kind of do different mock elections to um, just give more of a hands-on approach. I do the same with like movies, like, okay, we're going to pick a movie today. And okay, these two movies, um, and based on, you know, the size of the class, your class will get this many tickets, this class will get that many. And based on the amount of people that vote, um, will determine who wins. And some people say, well, if I'm in the smaller state, or in the smaller class, so to speak, why, why even participate? Because regardless of what this larger state does, you know, they're going to win anyway. But it's it's not about that. It's about the participation. It's about, you know, the process. It's it's not so much about the outcome is what I try to um, encourage students and um, our youth to understand. You know, it's about getting to the finish line and just letting you know that your voice is so important. It has to be heard, win or lose. And so I try to bring more of a vis- visual when I explain it. 
So um, I don't know if that helped or... Honestly, I think that reading your book and also Mark Schulman has has a great book called I Voted. Like, honestly, both of those, I was like, I think I understand the Electoral College now more than I ever did because I read a children's book about it. Um, well, that's what I love about children's books is that like they explain things just at the basics and really simply, right? Because it's for kids. And whenever I honestly, like whenever I want to learn something new, I, I always, you know, I don't, I don't want to read a hundred page book about, yeah. you know, the electoral college. I just want to understand how it works. And so honestly, I found that really helpful for me. <laughs> oh, good. So thank you. Cause I know that's, you know, your, uh, your audience you were writing for. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I've, and, and the thing with children's books is you kind of have two audiences because a parent or an instructor is always sharing the knowledge from the book. So I said, this would be a great way to share with adults as well, because I know the electoral college and I, and I, and for me, I said, well, even with the demonstration, it may not be something that's grasped right away, but as long as the seed is planted as you get older and as you have more experiences and encounters, it'll begin to make sense. Because for me growing up, you know, you have the mock elections when you're in high school, you, you know, Mm -hmm. you vote for different things and each vote is counted individually. So then you get older and it's not the same in the real world. So I feel like it was, I just felt it was so important to introduce children um, early on um, to the electoral college, just because for me, I'm like, how did, you know, certain people get in office? If everyone voted, but no one, you know, shows or goes into how, you know, well, it's not individual votes that count. So I I was like, okay, this is kind of necessary. Yeah, for sure. Well, it almost feels like, um, like you were saying before with the idea of like, no one likes to be lied to. It almost feels like, well, I was told this is the way voting works and it's not the way it works. You know, it almost does feel a little bit like that's not fair, right? It's interesting too, though, because, um, and because we talk about the electoral college so much and, but that's only for the presidential election. And I know Mm -hmm. we're focused on that right now, but I I think it's a good reminder that, you know, we also vote on, um, on local issues That's true. and, um, you know, like board of education, you're voting for the people who are at work in your own community or in your state or Mm -hmm. changes of laws or procedures. And those things are, you know, at, at least in Maryland where I live, you know, it's like one vote, every vote counts. Um, yeah, there's no absolutely. sort of intermediary the way there is with the electoral college. Yeah, that's a really good point. Thank you for bringing that up. So sort of moving on, I'm curious, right? Like obviously, you know, young children can't vote. So why is it important to even talk to them about the election and the, the importance of voting? Yeah, I think it goes back to what we were just saying. Yes, there's the presidential election coming up, but we also have a civic duty to vote on the things that are local and impact our day-to-day lives. I'm just, I'm trying to think of, I think in Maryland, um, one of the ballot questions we had was, um, had to do with gambling in the state. And, you know, those are things that people really care about and your vote, your vote counts on those. So I feel like, you know, it's one of those pieces of citizenship that Mm. is, it's such a a privilege in our country. it's, It's interesting to me because, Um, I had a middle grade book just come out called A Place at the Table, and I wrote it with my friend Sadia Faruqi. The story is about two girls who meet at a middle school cooking club, and they discover that both of their moms are immigrants, and both of their moms are kind of stalled out in the citizenship process. And Mm. so one of the reasons I asked Sadia to write this book with me was because this was my childhood experience. My mom um, is an immigrant from England. And I knew that Sadia had gotten her citizenship, you know, within the past five years or so, she's Pakistani American. And it's fascinating to hear her experience of voting as someone who comes from a country where, you know, the voting rights are very different. And so it's, you know, just to think about how much people who are new citizens in our country value the right to vote and what a big deal it is. And I, I, maybe both of you feel the same way I do. I have such strong memories of going with my parents. Um, my mom got her citizenship later, but going with my parents to vote and it, like, it just felt like such a cool thing. It felt if they made it feel special, I should say, to be able to go with them. So did both of you go with your families to vote when you were kids? I never did. It's funny. I've actually only been 
to an actual, like actually gone somewhere to vote once when I was living in New York. The rest of the time I've always had an absentee ballot because I was in college or I was in another country or, you know, like I am now. Um, so it's, it's funny. I only actually had that experience once. I don't think I ever went with my parents to vote. My mom, she, um, she, she did a good job by, you know, obviously like, as an educator, um, a lot of times the school she worked in was chosen to be a polling place. You know, she was just very communicative and explaining, um, you know, why school was closed that day and, and um, just being very open about our voices being heard. And especially, you know, as an African-American and just, ex- you know, expressing to me like it was not always um, something that, you know, people of color were allowed to do. So mm-hmm. you have to, you you know, win or lose, you know, this privilege is just your duty. So it's just funny because in my house, like even when I got older and like went off to college and, you know, after school, you're like, okay, what am I going to do? And you find yourself back home for some of us. And, um, you know, some parents have the rule like, okay, you, you have to work. You have to, you know, you have to be taking classes. And one of the rules was, if you're living here, you vote. <laughs> so <laughs> she, it was like, what? Like <laughs> other people just have to take out the trash. But um, <laughs> so my mom, she was always just very passionate, if you will, about, um, you know, just making sure your voice was heard. And with, with so many things, I can even remember like working various jobs where my mom was like, you know, if something's going on, you know, you have to be the voice. You have to do this. And I used to be like, wow, the pressure. But um, <laughs> in the end, um, it uh, here we are with, with the children's book. I've been meaning to kind of just jump in with a resource. That, and this is for older teens. It's mm-hmm. definitely not like younger teen friendly. But there's an episode of the series on Netflix, Adam Ruins Everything, about voting mm-hmm. that is fantastic and yes. funny. Um, but that was a real eye opener for me. I, I love that show and that episode in particular. Um, it was, it, I learned a lot from that. So I'm also curious, like in general, we talked about this a little bit already, but right, like how do politics affect kids? Wow. You know, I, I this actually, I think about this in it. It's some of a bunch of the questions that you set for us, Seth, touches on this. I just... I feel like there are a lot of tensions in families right now. And I think that, you know, when obviously when kids are on, uh, not kids, when, when families have members who are on different sides of mm. the, the political spectrum and um, kids definitely pick up on that. Like, you know, my, like I said, my kids are older, but they know that one set of their grandparents has very different beliefs and values politically than, than we do. And then they do. And, that's hard. <laughs> That's yeah. really hard, especially because one of my kids identifies as queer. And so knowing that their grandparents, you know, might be voting for people who don't support acceptance of the LGBT community is that's really hard and a difficult thing to help older kids in particular navigate, I think. Yeah, I can I can totally relate there um, because my, my parents and my grandparents um, both voted for somebody who does not have my rights in mind as a trans person. Um, and that was definitely difficult for me. Even as an adult, <laughs> it, was, it, yeah. it was and is difficult for me to, to navigate. But I think especially with, you know, with kids, you know, that can be really tricky. And it's funny because my, I have the opposite end of the spectrum. Like my, my family's Italian. They talk about everything all the time. <laughs> and my, my wife, um, who is from, I mean, not that, I don't know necessarily that this is cultural, but she's French Canadian. And they just grew up in a household where we, you didn't talk about politics. She has no idea who her parents vote for. They have no idea who she votes for. Like they just never talk about it. I don't know that they never talk about the importance of voting, but they won't talk about who they're voting for, which I kind of think is so opposite of my experience. (laughs) But yeah, I think that that can be, you know, can really tricky and hard for kids to understand, especially when, you know, in that kind of situation, like you were talking about, where it's like, wow, I have someone in my family who's voting for someone who doesn't, you know, think I should have rights. (laughs) I I don't know. Did you guys have any experiences around this after the last presidential election? Because I I just remember it was right before Thanksgiving. I mean, it always is. But that election in particular, like gathering for Thanksgiving was really, really difficult. (laughs) It was. I mean, it felt so raw. And, yeah. you know, there was just, there was so much tension in, in, in my family in particular around that time. It was just hard to be together. I think too, um, with social media, scrolling my timeline, 
and seeing people like excited about certain winners was mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. And it's like, hmm, do, do we remain connected or do I ignore this <laughs> and pretend like I am not seeing this? But I, I definitely um, in my family, uh, my immediate family, I should say, um, we're pretty vocal and all on the same page with who we want to support. And um, I think that kids know more than we think. Um, I can mm-hmm. remember when I first um, wrote wrote the story and I asked my best friend who is, a, is an educator in D.C., I asked her to read it to the children in her class who teaches first grade. And I said, if you could just read it and give me feedback so I make sure that, you know, the verbiage isn't, you know, is, isn't too profound or um, I'm covering things. And one of the things that I did not do when I first wrote it was I said something like, you know, voting is the right of, you know, everyone has the right to vote. And there was a student who raised their hand and said, well, my mom can't vote. And she's mm. like, I, I think this might be some, you know, um, she's like, I don't think her mom is a citizen. So you might have to, you know, clarify and, mm. you know, say this and that and then maybe even add in some things. And so I, you know, wanted to make sure that obviously change that and then also say that. But voting also helps fund like the libraries and, you know, electing mm-hmm. a good person for city council and um, say things like that. But, yeah, like kids know more. And she was telling me how they were um, giving their feedback of you know, certain people in office and things that they knew. And she was like, you know, just hearing it was so heartbreaking, you know, heartbreaking. And I was yeah. like, oh God, better you than me. Because I was like, I don't know, I'd be like in front of the class bawling. Like, I'm so sorry. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's definitely made for, um, it's, I don't know, it like raises, it kind of raises an eyebrow when you know that, you know, for me at least, I, I understand that we're not all going to believe the same, but I know that sometimes, you know, with things that, you know, I support and, you know, I have family members who, you know, um, don't have the same, you know, uh, sexual preferences as me and different things. And then when you hear, you know, just the different things that are going on in the world and how some people are not in support, it's like, how can you over there support this when I have a loved one who, you know, is so awesome and... Yeah. Ah, uh, it just yeah. So I um I think this has been very eye opening, and I don't know. Talking about it in general, how how politics affect kids. I mean, kids are like people, mm-hmm. so you know things that you're voting on, right? Like, are going to affect them. Like we, I mean, I keep going back to this, but like we're talking about, right? There are like tons of queer kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they exist, and you know, voting for anti queer legislation is going to affect those kids. And there's, yep. you know, there's kids who are immigrants and voting for anti immigrant. You know, I'm thinking of just specific random things, but like any kind of, you know, you're not just affecting adults, but you're also affecting kids. And yep. I just remember, gosh, who was I? I don't remember. It was another guest that I was talking to and someone who is Muslim and they were saying that their child after the last election came to them and said, okay, when do we have to leave? Oh my wow. And, oh. and I was, yeah, I was like choking up. I was like, and that was, that was the information that they were getting. They were like, okay, like this person won. So that means we can't live here anymore. Like we have to go somewhere else. Yeah. And um, that was the information they were getting. And like, kids are so smart. And they, even though no one told them that, Right. And, and ultimately it wasn't true. They were citizens. They, they were able to, you know, they were able to say, it's just like kids are hearing things and kids are picking up on things and other kids are from other kids, from media, from, you know, things that they're seeing and hearing. Mm-hmm. And they're really, you know, and, and that's another reason, like going back to the beginning of like why it's so important to like talk to our kids about these things, because they're going to get the information from somewhere else and it might not be right, <laughs> you know? And so that's why, like, I always say, like, I want to be the, you know, be the person who's given that information to make sure it's the most correct information right. uh, and the information I want them to be having. And you're just reminding me, there's a, in the book that I was talking about, A Place at the Table that my friend and I wrote together, there's a scene that takes place where the girls are, they go and vote with their parents and the the character that I wrote, her name is Elizabeth. She's talking with her dad and her dad actually says, she's like, she's asking about the election. Her dad says, well, I guess you're old enough to know. And he talks about how the incumbent in this particular election hasn't been addressing some anti-Semitic activity that's been going on in their home town. And because of that, he's making a choice to vote you know, a different way. And so, um, but I thought it was important to have the dad character actually like think for a second, is she ready to hear this and then decide yes? (laughs) Because, you know, not every kid would be ready 
to hear that, I guess. You know, what are some things, obviously, you know, if kids can't can't vote, what are some things that they can do to be an active part of politics? That's a really good question. I think I'm just going to use my, my college student as an example. I have a um, college student who's going to be voting in this election. But, you know, before kids turn 18, they can be involved in in politics in their schools and in their community, if that's something that they're interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, in our home county, the Board of Education has a has an, um, it's kind of an honorary seat. I mean, it's not an elected seat for, for a student. So there's a high school student who sits oh. on the board of ed. So nice. I think that there, if that's an interest of kids, there's a way of getting involved in politics. I also like, there are a few websites One of them is called Ballotpedia. So if kids are curious about what's on the ballot or reading up on how certain people feel about the issues, there are sites like that that'll sort of break down, you know, they're, they're neutral. So they're, they're not necessarily a Republican or a Democratic site, but they'll, they'll have the candidates kind of write up a paragraph. Uh, You know, how do you feel about recidivism in the prisons? How do you feel about, you know, how do you feel about LGBT issues in our community and and they'll ask some some questions to have those people answer so those resources are there and I hope that people are sharing them with kids because there I think the interest is is certainly there for a lot of kids and granted there are other kids who you know especially with with this election and the players the candidates who we have right now it's so heightened that for just for mental mm. health there are some kids who are just going to opt out yeah adults too. That. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Rad Child Podcast. The most important announcement today is just a reminder to go out and vote if you can. Other than that, it's just the usual stuff. So just a reminder that if you go to www.akidsbookabout.com and make any purchases, you can get $5 off if you use the code RADCHILD uh, when you check out. So yeah, definitely take advantage of that. Other than that, if you don't already know where to find us, you can follow us at Rad Child Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you'd like to contact us, you can email radchildpodcast.gmail.com or you can go to www.radchildpodcast.com under the contact us section. Uh, under that section, there's also information about how to be a guest if that is something that is interesting to you. We are always looking for guests, uh, so definitely reach out to us if you're interested. Last but not least, if you would like to join the ranks of the wonderful Emma, Kai, Alex, and Sarah, uh, you can go to patreon.com forward slash radchildpodcast and find out how to make a monthly donation of as little as a dollar a month. Honestly, every little bit helps. I know everyone says that, but like, it really does. (laughs) So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for the folks who have been able to donate. And if you would like to join them, you can get some really awesome perks. We have all sorts of awesome things like bloopers, bonus content, um, even things like personalized book recommendations for the kids in your lives, uh, care packages with kids books and other fun goodies. So if any of that is interesting to you, or if you just want to uh, help us financially and you're able, you can again, go to patreon.com forward slash rad child podcast all right and with that back to the show do you wish more picture books truly reflected your family's values have you ever thought you found the perfect book but when you got it home it completely missed the mark shift book box is a picture book subscription service for kids ages three to eight built around themes of social justice and centering diverse characters and creators each box features two beautiful picture books as well as expertly crafted discussion guides we know that families want to engage kids in conversations about social justice topics and we recognize how challenging it can be to find the right books and to feel supported in having these conversations we find the books We provide the prompts. You get both delivered to your door. Subscribe today at shiftbookbox.com and use the code RADCHILD. RADCHILD. All one word. RADCHILD. RADCHILD. For 10% off your first order. Shift Bookbox. Curating little libraries. Cultivating big change. 
touched on this a little bit before I was talking about the anti-Semitism in your book, Laura, but I'm curious, like going off of that, how do we walk that line between keeping kids engaged with politics and what's going on in the world without like scaring them? Because sometimes it can be really scary. Like what we were talking about, you know, that, that little girl who I was talking about who thought like, oh, I'm going to have to leave the country now. Right. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't have an answer to that question because I'm Mm. also scared. So maybe part of it is just saying, acknowledging that it is scary and like to, to give kids an opt out. Like if they need to take a break for something, if it's feeling like too much, um, just like we sometimes need to take a break, allowing them to, to do that, you know, mental health day, mental Mm -hmm. health day is real. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yay, mental health. (laughs) I I agree because it's scary as an adult. And so with, with kids, I think it's just, you know, that, that honesty and um, just kind of, you know, just being transparent about it. I think kids appreciate when we're vulnerable and when we, we don't come off like know-it-alls. And so I think that, you know, I, I can remember times where I appreciated those talks with like my mom about um, different things that, you know, she was, she was like, you know, you know, I'm nervous about this too, but we're going to get it. We're going to get through this together. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And so I think that as, as a kid, like all you want to know is that, you know, you're not alone in this, that it's okay to, to not understand, to, to be nervous. And then as an adult, it's, we don't want to instill fear in our children, but we don't Mm -hmm. want to, I, I think we hinder them when we keep them blind to certain things. So I think it's just about, you know, sometimes, you know, the introduction doesn't go into a full-fledged description, but um, I know um, for me, like uh, my niece, she is, you know, aware of what's going on on to a certain extent, like, oh, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get another president. And she knows which president she likes and doesn't like, but she doesn't know any more than that. And I think that, I think that's good for her. She's five. So, yeah. So I think it's just about like, I guess, putting a cap and then like Laura said, just acknowledging that, you know, it's, it's scary for all of us. So. Mm-hmm. Also curious, sort of going off of that, like how, how do we explain, and this, I mean, even goes beyond the president, but like, I could talk about this for a long time, but how do we explain that, you know, the president or a person in power might not always, you know, have their best interests in mind, right? Because I think from a young age, we're, we're, there's this idea that like, you know, the president is like put on this pedestal as this person who's supposed to be, you know, making the, you know, quote unquote, the right choices, right? And so how do we remember that like they're a human person and they might not be making choices that are good for us. I think this is an area where books and and reading, especially fiction, is so important. I just, you know, I think fantasy in particular is such an an amazing metaphor for larger issues in our own society. And it might be... I have a friend, an author named Bridget Hodder, who said something really interesting about this, which is that kids aren't always prepared to look at something straight on and having the sort of um, the veil of fantasy or the step away that a fantasy story provides is a really good way to get them um, thinking or, or sometimes they naturally, you know, they want to think about these things. So I'm thinking about the book that won the Newbery a few years ago, The Girl Who Drank the Moon which is exactly about this topic. Like the people in power are bad people. You know, they, they, mm-hmm. their motives for, in this particular story, their motives for being in power are to have power. Mm-hmm. And so it, that can sometimes be a safe place to talk about these issues without talking about, you know, like in the classroom, you, you might have kids whose families support either side of the political aisle and yet you can talk together about a Mm. book like the girl who drank the moon and the responsibility that comes with being in power and in a way that's going to feel safe for everybody yeah i really i really like that suggestion because it's a way to sort of talk about it without talking about it (laughs) yeah but like not not in a way that you're deflecting but in a way that's like you were talking about like you might especially as a classroom teacher or someone who's working with you know you know, lots of kids, you, you know, you don't know how, what everyone's opinions are. And it's a way to talk about it kind of in a safe way. I love right. that. I know for me, I just try to also just say, you know, we look at our options and we have to choose based on who's best for the job between the two options that we have. And while we in a perfect world would have people with more integrity or who are uh, doing things a little differently, 
these are the two things that are available, you know, the two people that are available to us. And we choose based on who is better out of the two. I can remember growing up and, you know, my mom, she did, she had this thing where when I would like get dressed in the morning, she'd lay out two outfits and be like, okay, so what do you want to wear? <laughs> and it was like, some some days it was like neither of these. Like mm-hmm. this is horrible, you know. But um, you know, growing up, you, especially you know when you are familiar with what the fad and the trends are and what everyone else is wearing, and then you look at the two options, and you're like, this this doesn't this, and this doesn't make sense, you know, for this day. But it's what's in front of me, and I have to make a choice between what is here and what is present. That's a great and, analogy. Yeah. Thanks. So Absolutely. yeah, so I, I I guess it's just about kind of letting them know like we we have no control um over what these two people are doing we we do not you know people are human people are going to do things we dislike every day but these are the two people that are presented to us and we we have to choose based on who can get as close to doing the better job out of the two choices or bad outfits that we have (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) so sort of going off of that in a similar way um you know how can we explain to kids that like not everyone shares the same values as us because I think that's that can be tricky in a way where like I know I grew up thinking that like anything my parents said was like law and that was true and right and like I feel like it wasn't until you know I'm sure that I encountered it in my life but it wasn't really until I went to college that I was like, oh, like there are people who think wildly different things than me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not just like, oh, I like chocolate and you like vanilla, but like, you know, totally, totally different perspectives on the world. So yeah, how can we talk about that with kids? It's a really hard question. There was a, a book that came out recently called Facts Versus Opinions Versus Robots. I want to say it's by Mike Rex, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it is. It's a picture book. So that might be a really good one to share with younger kids just to talk about the difference between a fact and an opinion. You know, like factually, what do we know about the people who are candidates? We know their ages, you know, we know um, their past service, stuff like that. That's separate from any opinions that we might have about the Mm -hmm. job that they're doing and stuff like that. So I, I might start in that place. I think it's, you know, it's, can be hard for older kids because they are um, naturally at a point in their lives. And I'm thinking like by the time kids get to middle school in particular, where they're forming their own um, opinions and beliefs politically and otherwise. And they might be looking at a grandparent or an uncle or, you know, someone in the family or someone in the community differently because of a belief that's not shared. And that's, I think that's part of growing up, but it's, it's particularly challenging, I I think, during an election, because like we were talking about before, sometimes a candidate represents values that are not only different from our values, but that we feel are actively disenfranchising us in some way. For me, growing up with a lot of siblings, I thought that when we got older, we'd all come out the same. And I'm like, wow, you can be in the same household and, you know, uh, be completely different from the people uh, that you grew up with. And so I think it's important to, you know, um, just acknowledge that, you know, no two people walk in the same shoes or the same path. And that's okay. And um, I know for, um, for me, I, you know, I've just, it was, you know, at first it was like, wow, you know, um, because you, you always want to remain connected or, you know, um, be around people who some are the same, some are different. But at the end of the day, everyone won't be for everyone. And that's OK as well. But mm-hmm. um, not being the same as someone like value takes time, um, knowledge and understanding. And so I think that, you know, um, it's just early on learning that people are going to be different and just you, you don't always have to approve of the differences, but you do have to be accepting and you do have to be open-minded. And I think in that, um, when we're not, I guess, raised or, you know, believe so close-mindedly that people are going to be the same as us, it's not as big of a shock as when they're mm. not. And so when people make decisions that go against the things that are important to you and um, it's not, um, I mean, it's always going to be disappointing. However, it's it'll be more expected because I know that people mm-hmm, are different. I think you kind of like hit the nail on the head with that idea of like you don't have to agree, but like I always say like we don't have to agree, but we have to respect each other. Mm-hmm. And um, I it just makes me think of um, I have uh, 
what there's one person in my family who does not agree with me being trans and uh you know uh, she happens to be christian and she just she thinks that it's you know not does not flow with the bible we have different opinions about that which is funny because i literally run a queer bible study here in montreal like i know my bible uh so i find it really fun when people come at me like this is what the bible says and i'm like do you even know uh but anyway that's another podcast for another time But anyways, you know, I, I, we didn't speak for many years because of this. And I recently reached back out to her and I was like, listen, I don't need you to agree with me. I just need you to respect me. And what Hi. respecting me means for me is calling me by my name and calling me by my pronouns. Like, that's what you need to do. I will never take this as an affirmation that you think it's correct. I literally told her, I was like, listen, if I get to the pearly gates and God's like, sorry, Seth, you did the trans thing. I'll be like, Diane told me. She said it was wrong. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let them know you told me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but like, you know, but it's about respecting exactly. people, you know, and, and I think that that's the important part. But sure. I, I'd also like to point out that you're in adult and so you have (laughs) some agency there and I I do feel very strongly that sometimes we have to acknowledge for kids that sometimes people are just mean or sometimes people really don't have their best interest at heart for whatever reason and Mm -hmm. that we you know if we're if we have a classroom full of kids I understand the urge to say everybody in this classroom is your friend but sometimes they're not And I think it's also important that when a kid is expressing the need for a boundary, we respect that boundary. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Boundaries are super important. Yeah, that's good. I, um, this is like, I hope it's not like too off topic, but I, um, so, uh, just, I, so I'm adopted, but I, um, when I met my biological family, I had this strong urge to want to be connected because I'm like, you know, they're probably more like me than, you know, my, my siblings that I grew up with. We look alike. We've got, you know, things in common. Um, my mother uh, that adopted me is Caucasian. So I'm like, you know, these people can probably, you know, introduce me to some things that maybe I missed out on. I don't know. And I remember there was just this strong desire to like want to be accepted. And I never, <laughs> I never was. And I was speaking yeah. to um, a girlfriend and she said something so profound. She said, DNA is not a good enough excuse to want to be connected to people. Mm-hmm. Like, what do these people bring to the table? Like, what is their character? Um, what do they do? Like, if if they weren't, quote unquote, related to you, if you've seen each other on the street, mm-hmm. would you even want to be friends? Do you guys have any of the same interests? And so, like, for me, I'm learning more than ever, like, that not everyone is going to accept you or not and just embrace those that do and the ones that don't. You know, it's just, you know, it's their loss. But I can just remember just having such a hard time with that. Like, oh, my gosh, I have a sister. We look alike. And she's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And and that is all. (laughs) Like, oh, it was just so terrible. But um, it it was such, like, a, a learning lesson for me and in my growth and just and just being okay with, you know, not everyone um, believing the same or wanting to be connected or thinking that my way was a good way or my, you know, my beliefs were the right beliefs, like in just being all, all right and open and just it made me fall more in love with myself as arrogant as that sounds. I'm like, I am <laughs> awesome. I am awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I It's funny. I'm going to follow this tangent a little f- further and then we'll get back to the, you know, our last question here. But um, I, I also had a very similar experience when I was first going through uh, this tension with my aunt where uh, my family members, you know, I was expressing that, you know, I was unhappy. This is before we stopped talking for a while. And they were like, oh, again, very Italian, keep the family together. Family is the most important thing. And uh, they were all like, you know, oh, you know, you don't want to break apart the family, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, if someone else was doing this to me, what would you tell me? Mm-hmm. And they were like, I'd tell you not to be friends with that person anymore. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like, just because we have DNA doesn't yep. mean that we have, that people can like be emotionally abusive or that exactly. people can be doing it. That's okay. Do this is another care. podcast entirely, but Yes. <laughs> Good, good bonus content is what this is. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, so before we sort of start to wrap things up, I just have one final question. And that is, uh, you know, how can we console kids if the person they're rooting for doesn't win? And I just, uh, I think about this was a heartbreaking moment during the last election. 
And I was, it was right after the election and I was in, uh, I used to work in a, like a condo building. Like I was nannying for a family who worked in a condo building and uh, we went to like the playroom in the condo building. It was a very fancy condo that had a playroom. And uh, we went to the playroom and it was like the day after the election and in the trash was a card that someone had written to Hillary about how excited she was about her being president. And it was like crumpled up and it was in the trash can. And I was just like, that was probably like some kid who was so excited about their person winning and then their person didn't win. And they were just like, uh, throw it away. And it just made me so sad. And so like, how do we, you know, how do we talk to kids about that and help them cope with that? I guess just like we would help them cope with, you know, any kind of disappointment. It's funny you mentioned that. Cause I remember Hillary Clinton shared um, letters that that people, especially young women, mm. sent her after the election, saying how much they believed in her and how sorry they were about how things went. So I think that you know that's one one thing kids can do. I I brought, hang on, I just to get it. I brought a a book out to share with you guys. It's an anthology that was put together by Wade and Cheryl Willis Hudson. It's called We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices. And it's mm. an anthology for kids. And they actually put this book together after the last election because they had a, um, a great niece who felt like, you know, she'd heard a lot of the hate speech and, and things like that and felt very frightened and confused about the results of the election. And the result was this book, which is a very uplifting book, especially for kids of color. So I think there are, because of the last election in particular, there are resources out there for kids to kind of acknowledge um, if things didn't go the way you were hoping that, you know, kind of like hang in there, you've got a community behind you who supports you. Anyway, so that book, We Rise, We Resist, We Raise Our Voices is a great resource to share with families. I can remember growing up and, um, you know, kind of being a sore loser, <laughs> just being in like, <laughs> like, like, just never wanting to lose. But I remember one of the things that stands out to me was just kind of being, you know, just being praised for the hard work and effort, regardless of the final outcome. And that really, really mm. helped me. And so um, like, for sure, like kids need those words of encouragement and those affirmations. Um, once a win um, doesn't go in their, you know, in their favor. However, I think that the ultimate thing is just to prepare children um, that it is okay to lose, but we don't give up. Um, no matter the outcome, like our participation is important and it's valued. And I think that once we kind of change the narrative to praising the participation and the involvement prior to the outcome, I think it makes the lose not as harsh. I mean, it still yeah. is going to hurt, but we can't put so much emphasis on the outcome. But I mean, I can still remember being devastated and, you know, like, I didn't, I didn't win this. You know, I thought, you know, I, I just knew I, you know, when, you know, after I calmed down and came to, I was able to, you know, think about, you know, everything that I did leading up to and could just mm -hmm. sincerely say like, okay, this, this was worth it. Like I did my best. I gave it my all. Cause the last thing we want is for people not to exert that effort anymore because they mm -hmm. are so focused on the win. So it's, you know, no, it's about the involvement. It's about, you know, your participation, your support, you know, that's, that's what we get excited about. And mm -hmm. then you can always feel it'll, some sense of accomplishment. You you can find. So that's, that's you know, the glass half full for you is uh, the process <laughs> prior and not necessarily at the end. So as we start to wrap things up, I know we already mentioned a couple of books and things, but I'm curious if you have any other resources about this topic. It can be for kids or adults, um, books, shows, websites, anything anything you can think of. I had a book that it's an older middle grade book called Crown Me and it's about a, a class election that I really uh, by Catherine Lay. So I like that one if if kids want to read about what an election looks like at their school level, which is, I guess, where it all starts. <laughs> I read because I work with young kids. I'm usually looking at like very young children's literature. And um, I have a, a connection uh, at Penguin Random House that sometimes sends me review copies. And once in a while, they just throw a middle grade book my way. And I forgot how much I love middle grade books. Like I'll just be, oh my gosh, they're really wonderful. Because <laughs> it's like, it's like all all of the accomplishment of reading a book, but much easier. Mm -hmm. And and the uh, and the content is like, you know, not gonna blow my it's like nice and easy read. I mean, they can still 
tackle serious topics, but it's just, I don't know. It's so much more like uh, manageable for me than <laughs> reading a grown up book. And I, I would have to argue and put in a, put a plug in for my, my fellow middle grade authors. I feel like some of the, some of the best books that are out there today are by middle grade and YA authors. I think oh, that, you know, a lot of authors are really not only pushing the boundaries of what we can present in a story for kids, mm-hmm. but also just the quality of the writing is has been fantastic. So I'm, I'm very proud to be part of that community. Yeah, absolutely. A shameless plug for my own book, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, My Vote Counts. Um, so that's, it's a fun book. Um, I say it's for like ages five to 10, but really it's for anyone um, who has a desire to just kind of learn more about the electoral college or even find creative ways to explain to their, you know, children how to, to vote and, you know, different ways to research for presidents and um, different candidates. Um, also, another book that I enjoy is called Grace for President. And um, mm-hmm. it's a children's book. It's by uh, Kelly DiPuccio. Hopefully I'm not butchering her last name. Probably am. <laughs> However, it's a really cute story. Um, Grace wants to be president. So I kind of felt like it was, um, it's, it's an interesting tool for people who want to step out and be the first at something. And then it just really teaches leadership. And mm-hmm. so I think that um, it's, it's a great story. It's one that um, I know uh, my girlfriend, she tells me is in her voting unit at, um, at her school along with mine now. So, yep. those <laughs> I made yeah, it. I, I also, I also really like Grace for President because basically like it, it's, you know, it's about this, um, this little girl, Grace, and who happens to be a person of color also. Uh, and she, you know, they're sort of learning about the presidents in her class, and she's like, you know, why no women? Yes, what I know. Uh, you know, and, and then she, you know, she says that she wants to be president. What I, the thing, the bookends that I love in the story is like she says she wants to be president, and everyone kind of like laughs at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they run an election in her school, and she ends up winning. And at yeah. the end, she and sorry, spoiled the book. Um, and at the end. <laughs> you know, they, they're doing like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, I want to be president. And nobody laughed that time. Yay. Reminded me that Kate Messner has a new book out called um, the next president. And it's, oh. it's about um, all of the presidents, including the current president as young people, sort of like mm-hmm. it has a line or two about where they came from. The art is fantastic in this book. And the most wonderful part to me is that the, the opening sort of dedication is basically to kids like as you know like it could be you look at where all these different people came from that. to become president and so i i think that's a fantastic book and it's like i said the illustrations are beautiful it's a picture book so totally appropriate mm. for younger kids but there's like enough meat to it that it it'd be great to read with older kids also I love books like that that are versatile. All right. So uh, I know we, uh, Candice, you talked about this a little bit. Actually, you both talked about this a little bit already, but uh, do you have any uh, personal projects uh, or work that you would like to plug and or where can people find you on the internet if you would like to be found? So I have my new book out, which I've been talking about called A Place at the Table. And I'm also the author of two other middle grade books. One is called Takedown, and it's about the first girl on an all boys wrestling team. And the other book is The Last Fifth Grade of Emerson Elementary. It's a novel in verse, and it's about a group of fifth graders who protest against um, the demolition of their school. And, you know, a lot of the things we're talking about and activism, kid activism and and getting involved in school level politics and all that are part of that story. So that's a really fun one. And if people are interested on October 10th, my co-author and I and another pair of middle grade authors, Madeline Rosenberg and Wendy Shang, are doing a panel through Howard County, Maryland Library about collaborating on books, so co-authoring books together. And um, I believe it's open to the public. You don't have to be a member of the library to do that, but it should be a really fun opportunity to talk about what happens when two people write a book together. That's awesome. I love that. Oh, and (laughs) I forgot to say, um, my name is like you if you look up my name you, you'll find me it's my last name is s-h-o-v-a-n my first name is laura so all of my social media and my website are all my name i am uh candace parker i am candace parker on facebook um candace 
L Parker on Instagram. Um, apparently there is a basketball player who shares my name. <laughs> so I have to make the change. So, um, yeah, I, um, definitely, uh, if you keep up with me, you'll see different, um, projects. My next project that will be out early next year is a, um, is a book about dating. So, um, I wanted to take care of the kids first so that parents wouldn't be discouraged. <laughs> from letting me teach their kids. And then um, I've got um, a fun, sassy book out coming out in January um, for dating. But uh, so those are my uh, links. Please connect with me. And uh, yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you both so much for being here. This has been such a delight. It's really, really a pleasure talking with you both. And remember, stay rad. Tom Zalatni, executive producer of the Upford Network and host and producer of Up for Discussion, a podcast about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. But wait, isn't Up for Discussion a comedy podcast? It sure was, but things change. It's a food show now, and it's a very, very good food show. Every week, I dig into a different ingredient, dish, meal, or cuisine with help from friends and guest experts who know way more about this stuff than I do. Do you like food? Of course you do. You're a person. So you will like this show. Go listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Up for discussion. It's a food podcast now. Brought to you by the Upford Network. Hi there. I'm Nick Hughes, the son. And I am James Hughes, the father. Together, we co-host Canada's Young Leaders, a podcast exploring bold ideas for our country's future. Our third and final season focuses specifically on climate change, how we got here, and where we need to go. We'll be speaking with young environmental leaders about the roles of governments, corporations, and individuals in combating this crisis, and also thinking about the role of the COVID-19 pandemic in the climate movement. So, if you're someone who is concerned about climate change and wants to learn more, check out Canada's Young Leaders, a very proud member of the Upford Network.